Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am Ryan Burklow. And on today's episode, I've got a very special guest. His name is Pierce Dyer. He works with Sprague Israel Giles, and he specifically works with you all, naturopathic doctors, to design malpractice insurance. And so on today's episode, we go in and we discuss what's changed in malpractice insurance, specifically around uh, telemedicine. Uh, we also discuss, you know, what he sees that are oftentimes issues in policies that exist and what to look for as you're graduating or as you are growing in your career. So take a listen to our episode. I know that you'll enjoy it. Thank you. So Pierce, I'm uh, very excited to have you back on the show today. So welcome back. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks so much, Ryan. Good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, times have changed since last we spoke. We actually did this in person. <laughs> yep, things have been very, very fun for the last year. So, um, you know, as as I mentioned earlier, you know, Pierce is really the expert in the malpractice insurance, specifically with naturopathic doctors, and a lot has changed um, since. Uh, this time last year, it's April 8th, 2021. So this time last year was really that beginning of the change. And when it comes to protecting our practice and the growth of, of, of your practice, telemedicine came, it came into play real quick. And when it came to protection of, of your practice, that, that became an issue because things changed so drastically. So, so Pierce, you know, one of the first questions I have, you know, with that big change last year, what happened on, on the malpractice side uh, in terms of catching up? Did, did the insurance companies, like how did they start to design their malpractice policies maybe slightly different? Well, things were kind of interesting last year. The lockdown um, due to the COVID-19 pandemic happened fairly quickly, uh, caught a lot of folks by surprise. Um, nobody was allowed to well, should not have been leaving their houses, congregating in public, going into public service offices. It kind of changed the way the world did business um, and uh, healthcare was no exception. Um, due to mandated lockdowns, as well as reduced foot traffic as a, re as a result of those lockdowns, a lot of naturopathic physicians who had their small business clinics um, or their contractor practices, they unfortunately, I'm sad to say, had to close their doors. They tried to hold on as long as they could. Um, and a lot of them said, you know what, it's just not worth it to pay for the rent for my commercial space. It's just, I'm not seeing anybody in person. I'm just not allowed to or people are, for lack of a better word, too afraid to come into the office. They're, they're pretty much staying at home, buying toilet paper. That's kind of how it went <laughs> right. for the first few months of uh, 2020, as we all remember. Um, and as a result, uh, naturopaths, or at least my clients, they still needed to find a way to pay their own bills. They had overhead, they had employees, they had uh, vendors and landlords that they had to pay, not to mention their own personal bills. You got to pay your mortgage, you got to pay your rent, etc. cetera. Uh, so they were looking for other avenues of revenue and telemedicine became the keyword of 2020. How do I transition over to a virtual based practice so that I can still manage to see my clients, 
provide the benefit of my skills as a naturopath and continue to make money with my chosen career. It was kind of a, a new jungle for folks to hack their way through for quite a while. Uh, for the last decade or so, telemedicine, telehealth, and other types of virtual care had kind of been an ancillary as needed basis. Um, there were a lot of doctors who were like, you know, I, I can offer video conferencing, but it's not a main part of my practice. Well, that all changed with 2020. And a lot of folks decided, you know what, I can still provide um, a quality of care similar to what I was providing in person, only now I need to learn to do it virtually. So that right. was a lot of fun. Um, and Which is a whole different experience, right? From the patient side, right? Like, and on, and on the doctor's side, right? It's like, okay, I can't, you know, normally you're, while I'm visibly seeing you right now, it's still much different when you're actually sitting, you know, knee to knee, if you will, um, and engaging that. There's, there's still a, a trust barrier that you have to get over when it's, when it's virtual. Whereas when you're knee to knee, the trust barrier is a little bit less uh, to Absolutely. Get over. Absolutely. That face-to-face -face interaction can help build a relationship with your physician that is really irreplaceable. It really is. And as I've always liked to say, naturopaths like to practice relationship-based medicine as opposed to empirically-based medicine. Sure. Um, so it's, it's really affected the way naturopaths interact with their clients. Um, and the, the laws of each state certainly did not help make that any easier. Um, the good news was that um, there were some federal mandates that were passed down that basically stated for those insurance companies who prior to the pandemic did not cover virtual care because of the nature of the claims were suddenly now required to provide coverage for virtual care and telemedicine. So it was also kind of a, a new ball game for a lot of insurance companies who previously had decided this is not something that we want to cover, except now the federal government is requiring us to do so. So they had a little bit of a learning curve themselves uh, being forced to start providing that coverage. Um, as a way for there to be uh, very little interruption in the coverage that the doctors uh, were having with their malpractice companies. I mean, it was a way to make their lives a little bit easier. Sure. Uh, all of a sudden, the carrier you might already be with has to cover your virtual services, which it was a was a really good thing. I think that was something that we should all have been in support of at the time. So when it comes to the, the structure of the malpractice policy, if I may maybe take a step back here, prior to 2020, did the standard malpractice policy that's out there, did, did it cover telemedicine type of? A lot of them did not or may have put a, uh, restrictions on the type of telecare that could have been provided. Um, they may, if they did cover telemedicine, they may have required doctors to use um, certain HIPAA compliant platforms for doing mm -hmm. that because not every platform is HIPAA compliant. There was a point in time uh, before 2020 um, when uh, various virtual platforms like Zoom, for example, were not considered HIPAA compliant. And I believe, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe that since then, Zoom is now become a HIPAA compliant method of virtual care. Um, I may have to check on that, but a lot of um, virtual platforms like Zoom have had to kind of step up their game and become HIPAA compliant methods right. of virtual care since then. So yeah, that's a good thing. So if 
Um, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm trying to think like an ND now, right? So if I'm an ND and I've had this, my practice policy for maybe five, 10 years or however long I've been in business, um, should I be reaching out to my current carrier to double check that if I'm doing telemedicine right now, it's actually being covered or is it has a blanket statement come out from insurance? Um, well, that's companies? a good question actually, because a lot of the federal and state mandates that were requiring insurance companies to provide virtual care are starting to relax. A lot of them have either expired or may not be in effect anymore. So there are some carriers out there who have been covering for the last year their current clients for telemedicine and virtual care, but may not be accepting new clients mm. who are a majority telemedicine practice. A lot of them will say, okay, if you've got uh, ancillary exposure to it, you're 10% of your patients you see virtually, we're fine with that but we're not okay with those 90% folks or 100% folks who are all the way virtual. Um, a lot of carriers are able to revert back to prior underwriting guidelines and say, you know, that's just not in our wheelhouse. That's just not something we wanted to cover before the pandemic. And we're gonna kind of revert to that. We don't, we don't wanna cover it going forward. So you can get grandfathered in if you're currently covered. Um, but yes, it's always a good idea to check in periodically with your current insurance company. Yeah, uh, any other advice when it comes to that, right? So like a, a you know, a practicing ND that's been in practice for a while now, um, you know, should they be reaching out, you know, as, as their practice grows and, and, and morphs and changes like most practices do, you know, it might be the, the care that they give will be the same, but how they give the care is sure to change over time. How often should they be looking at their malpractice policies and having conversations with people like you to make sure that they're properly covered and protected? Uh, absolutely. At any time, you can always contact your broker who manages your policy, or if you have direct access to a carrier representative, you can reach out to them and say, hey, I'd like a policy review. It's been you know, seven, eight, nine months since I put in my last application for coverage, telling you guys what I'm doing, what my operations are. Things may have shifted. Things may have changed since then. Now I'm doing this. Maybe my, um, my prescriptions have changed. Maybe I have started um, prescribing opioids and narcotics in higher percentages. And I just want to find out if that's something that you guys are still willing to cover. Um, my telemedicine percentage has gone from maybe to 30% of my patients to 99% of my patients. I am fully telemedicine now at this point. How does that affect my coverage? Are there any additional costs associated with that, et cetera? So you can always ask for a coverage review. Um, or you can always look around for other carriers as well and just say, hey, how would you guys compare to what my current coverage is? So never be afraid to go quote other coverage if you want, um, just to see where the market lies and how carriers' appetites may have changed. Yeah. So I'm sitting here thinking if I'm, you know, I'm about to I'm about to go speak at the NMSA. We're about to do a webinar where we're talking about, um, you know, student loans and we're going to talk about residency and all that kind of fun stuff, but I'm talking to a graduating class. And so now I'm putting myself in their shoes. If I'm a graduating ND and I'm wanting to maybe have just a virtual only type of practice, will an insurance company insure me without any experience? Like, how does that, how does that work from an underwriting aspect? If I'm, if I'm a graduating ND trying to either, 
you know, not and not going underneath someone else's umbrella? Good question. Um, depending on the carrier, they may have different appetites for coverage. There are some carriers who, like I mentioned, are reverting to their prior underwriting guidelines who are not interested in covering doctors who have a majority of their services rendered via telemedicine, telehealth, teleconsulting, et cetera. Um, so the best advice there is to reach out to several carriers, ask about their appetites. Um, any representative or broker should be pretty familiar with the carrier and what it is that they want to ensure and can advise you where you're likely to bet, get the best, broadest, and hopefully lowest cost coverage. Um, for example, the program that I run with Sprague Israel Giles, we do still offer new graduate discounts. So if you are a brand new doctor and you could possibly be rated at a higher rate uh, for cost because of the risks involved in telemedicine, you may still be able to take advantage of some discounts uh, for being a brand new graduate and having no prior experience, you might see a lower cost because of that. Gotcha. So, so let's take that one step further. Um, when we're talking about my practice insurance and I'm a graduating ND, like what, you know, I'm of the opinion, let me put it this way. I'm of the opinion that low cost isn't always the best policy, right? Like <laughs> you get what you pay for oftentimes in life. And while cost is an issue, so please don't take that as like, you know, you should spend as much money as you can on this. That's not what I'm saying either. It's more of like, understand what you're getting. So what are some malpractice policies that you see out there that are severely lacking in terms of coverage? Like, can, and can you give some specific examples of terms of like what they're not covering? And because of that, it's a low cost, but as a grad, as a ND, you might really want to consider, okay, is that something you really shouldn't be covering? Yes. So when you get your coverage proposal, after you have submitted an application, you've gotten a quote from a carrier. And I know how much we all hate as people reading paperwork. I mean, I personally absolutely hate it, but you should do it anyway. You should always pay attention to what that carrier's particular exclusions are. Uh, for example, they may cover you for something like mesotherapy, but they may exclude certain methods of mesotherapy, or they may cover ozone therapy, but they may exclude a certain way, maybe IV ozone therapy or ozone insufflation may not be in their wheel book. And all you see is, oh, I'm covered for ozone therapy. And then you go on and you go do those procedures that are particularly excluded. That's why I say you want to read every piece of paperwork that you get so that you can understand what they're actually going to cover. Um, and some policies, as you mentioned, are going to be lower cost, uh, but that doesn't mean that they're going to measure up with other policies who happen to be higher cost. Take a look at the endorsements, including benefits, enhancements, and other ways the policy may work for you. Uh, without naming names, because I'm not going to name any carriers, but there are uh, carriers out there that offer things like part-time rates, because a lot of new doctors starting out, um, they're going to be working 24 to 30 hours a week, and maybe they want to get a part-time rate. Some mm -hmm. carriers offer them, some don't. The ones that do generally will cut coverage significantly uh, with very few bells and whistles, with very few services and enhancements included in that program in order to meet a certain part-time price point. I call those bare bones policies. Uh, that can work for a lot of people uh, who may have very basic practices, 
offering, you know, basic naturopathic service, homeopathic advice, botanical medicine, things like that. But for those folks who are offering higher risk or more invasive procedures, they may want the benefit of a more well padded policy. Uh, so it pays to really pay attention to the types of enhancements, benefits, and extra coverages that are thrown in there, which may benefit you as a higher level practitioner. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't advise enough, you know, anytime you're, you're purchasing some sort of insurance product or any kind of a protection product, it could be a legal document, right, with your business attorney, make sure you're working with someone that understands your practice, what it is you do, the different therapies, the, the different things that you work with for your patients, because that person will then also be able to take you down a path that will get you the policy that would cover yours, right? And as Pierce said, make sure you're reading the document, reading you know what the contract actually is. But I don't know many NDs that want to read and want to be the experts in that. So why not work with one of the experts? And so making sure you work with someone like Pierce that understands the practices, understands how the policies come into play is huge. So thought I'd pump you up there a little Pierce because there, there's a reason that I invite you on a second time and not other people because it's not just about slinging insurance products, it's about actually protecting the practice which is providing all of that help to your patients and in turn, providing you income for you and your family. So, Exactly. Part of the value of uh, us as brokers is because we're able to explain in layman terms and kind of translate <laughs> that insurance ease yep. uh, into uh, examples and wording that the average layman or the average physician, excuse me, physician can understand in terms of what their practice is. Um, they're not going to know, you know, what does this exclusion mean or what does this actually mean in terms of this particular policy wording. Um, and so your broker should be able to explain that. Um, for definitive answers about what doctors can and cannot do in terms of what is legal in their state, uh, brokers cannot answer those kind of questions because we're not attorneys. Right. Um, I would love to be one, but I heard the homework in law school is just crazy. <laughs> No, I'm not a big fan of, like I said, I'm not a big fan of paperwork or homework. So I like to make things uh, as layman terms as possible. So I do always recommend that in conjunction with your broker, if you have access to legal advice to an experienced attorney who can help you navigate these waters and in insurance, um, that also could not hurt. And it's really nice to get definitive answers from somebody who has a legal perspective as well. 100%. So you know, if I'm a graduating ND and I'm joining another practice, oftentimes that practice may offer a malpractice policy that that covers me, or may cover or may pay for a policy that that covers me. Um, is there any concern if I'm new to that practice? Is there any concern? Like, should I ask for a copy of what that policy is covering? Like, what concern should I have being under someone else's umbrella like that? One of the things that I like to um, advise clients, if they're getting hired on at another clinic, it absolutely does not hurt to ask your new employer for a copy of their insurance policy, or at least proof that they carry it. And one of the first things that you want to look for is you want to confirm that that clinic or that employer is carrying at least the same amount of coverage that you are in terms of limits of liability. And if they're carrying more, that's fantastic. Um, there are 
are some carriers out there that will offer lower limits of coverage in order to meet a certain price point. Uh, and in general, it's not a great idea uh, for you as the employee to have higher limits than your employer. You don't want to be the deeper pockets in the event of a claim arising against both you and your employer regarding your services. Um, it's just not going to be a good idea all around. Um, so if they are carrying lower limits, um, I, would, I would recommend talking to your employer and saying, hey, look, these are the limits that I carry. These are the limits that the uh, employer carries, what can we do about getting these limits of liability increased? Uh, standard in the industry for a malpractice policy is generally at least $1 million per claim or per occurrence and $3 million in the policy aggregate. That means that the most that the, that the carrier will pay out on one claim in a year is $3 million and the most that they will pay out uh, per each claim is $1 million. Those are industry standards for high level providers such as naturopaths, medical doctors, doctors of osteopathy, etc. So if you are working for a clinic that is saving a little bit of money by having limits maybe reduced to $100,000 per claim and $300,000 aggregate, it's a good idea to find out what they might need to do in order to get those limits raised up to match yours. When we're talking about protecting yourself against lawsuit, right? You want to protect yourself as best you can. Uh, and I know that the, there is a price point, right? There's, a, there's an affordability aspect. I just have everyone consider this. Would you rather have protection for the event that could literally demolish your career and your financial picture so you can no longer practice medicine or would you rather spend a little bit of extra money to have that protection? And even if that event never occurs, at least you had the protection there. Exactly. One of the ways I like to describe what insurance is, because a lot of people are like, oh, and I've, I've heard this plenty of times. I'm sure maybe you've heard this as well. Insurance is a scam. Uh, insurance, yeah. I've even heard it called, described a pyramid scheme. <laughs> um, and the way I like to actually define insurance for people is, Insurance is a prepaid legal defense fund that will help defend your personal investments into your career. And your personal investments include everything in your personal life, not just your business life. Because in the event of a large liability claim, if you are left without insurance, this can affect your investments in your home, your vehicle, your future career in terms of wage yep. garnishments, etc. So having a prepaid legal defense fund, pretty much just sitting and waiting to pay for your attorney to defend you and or pay any settlements as legally allowed is basically peace of mind that helps people sleep at night. It's, the, it's just like having a homeowner's policy. If someone slips and falls on your front porch, your homeowner's policy is what defends you and your investments in your home. A hundred percent. You know, we say on, on our end of things, we always say protect from the worst threats. You can self-insure, but self-insure for something small, right? Like my example is Pierce, if your car got stolen today and let's just pretend you didn't have auto insurance, like that would be a really, really crappy day, crappy month, maybe even crappy year. Yeah. But you'd get over it. Like it might suck for a little bit, but you'd get over it. However, if someone, if you got sued and you either lost your income 
or worse, lost your income for, for life or part of your income for life, that's something that you may never come back from. Absolutely. I, um, I got a story for you. I was at a naturopathic conference in California um, and there was a naturopathic doctor who was offering um, services. I, I don't remember what the product was, but you know, we all have booths that we set up at the naturopath conferences to kind of shill our services. Um, and there was a naturopathic doctor with a product that they were selling to other naturopathic doctors and they were trying to get them to sign up. And of course, we were having a conversation as, as vendor exhibitors at the conference. And this doctor uh, said to me, they said, well, I don't have malpractice insurance because I don't make very much money. If mm -hmm. someone were to sue me, they wouldn't get anything. And I was kind of taken aback a little bit. Um, and I was able to explain to them. I said, well, that's not entirely true. They may not get everything all at once, but if a legal judgment is rendered against you in the event of a settlement and you are found liable for a certain amount, they will get that amount eventually. And it could be possibly through wage garnishment uh, going forward, which means that your income, your assets, anything that you garner over the next 5, 10, 15 years can be affected and used to pay off your legal obligations in regards to that lawsuit for as long as it takes until they get their money. So even if you think you don't have anything and they're not going to get anything now, uh, the piper always gets paid. Yeah. They always do. So that's why I like to always tell malpractice insurance and say, because this is what's going to pay for that without you having to worry about your personal assets being affected for years to come. So now that we've really explained how important malpractice insurance is just from a protection of, of everything you're building in life, we right? Do all day if we want it. Right. So <laughs> I'd love to end on this question. So what, what are the common pitfalls that you see in, in some malpractice policies? So, you know, the, the, the standard doctors that come to you that have a malpractice policy and they're coming to you for additional information. What is it that you commonly see out there that when you explain it to the ND, they're surprised that it wasn't actually covered? Gotcha. So like I mentioned earlier, you always want to pay attention to the exclusions in your policy because sometimes they can get down to the nitty gritty of the services. Something that you thought may have been covered may not actually be covered. The carrier can take your application based on what you say you're doing and then they issue a proposal and then buried in that proposal, it may say, okay, we're going to cover all these things that you said you're going to do, except we're also including this exclusion for this one procedure, mesotherapy, stem cell therapy, microneedling, whatever, we don't cover that. And they're relying on you to read that proposal and pay attention. And then if you accept that proposal, they will rely on those policy provisions. And they'll say, well, we, we told you at the proposal, we didn't cover this and you still accepted it. Um, so don't just take things at face value. Um, something else that I've been seeing more and more of recently, uh, due to uh, lost revenue and hits that the insurance company, companies have been taking over the last year, thanks to COVID, um, a lot of them are changing their policy provisions just slightly, just to help protect their own revenues. And one of the reasons, or one of the ways that they're doing this is I have seen an increasing number of policies where they include um, claim defenses 
inside the limits of liability, which means that every dollar that pays your attorney takes mm -hmm. away from the limits of liability, those 1 million, 3 million limits. So you pay a dollar to the attorney, it takes away the amount of money you have left over to pay any settlements, judgments, et cetera. Um, that's huge. Like yeah. that's a bigger deal than I think uh, for you listeners, like stop and think about how much of an attorney could cost. And it's taken away from the very money that could be paying the person that, you know, that's protecting you for the lawsuit, right? Yep. That, that's a double whammy that that's yeah. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that was occurring. In general, malpractice attorneys cost anywhere from $250 to $500 an hour. And if you think if they're spending 10, 20, 30 hours just on your claim, that adds up to a significant amount of money, which is taken away from the amount of limits that you have left over to pay any settlements that may result from that claim. Um, one of the things that you want to look for is claim expenses outside the limits of liability, which means that they set aside a pot of money outside those limits just to pay your attorney's fees and claims expenses, which leaves alone your regular limits of liability. So defense costs outside the limits of liability is something that a lot of doctors want to look for. Uh, the program that we offer does offer um, defense costs outside the limits of liability. Um, and that is not going to change for the foreseeable future. Um, but there are some carriers who are tightening their belts in terms of revenue lost over the last year and adjusting their policy provisions ever so slightly can help mitigate their losses in the event of a claim. And by doing defense costs inside the limits of liability is one way that they do that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's huge information. So I didn't know that. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. And hopefully our listeners really understood what that really means. That, that's a big deal. Awesome. Pierce. So, you know, if I'm listening and I wanted to reach out to you to either have a second opinion on what I currently have in place, or if I'm maybe a graduating MD and need to get something, how do I reach out to you? Uh, well, our website is uh, www.siginsures.com. That's the main uh, website for our agency. But we have a separate website just for the Sprague Israel Giles Natural Insurance Program. And it is www.naturalinsurance.com, all one word. Again, www.naturalinsurance.com. My contact information is located on there, as well as an application uh, that doctors can fill out online that gets automatically submitted to me for a malpractice quote. And once we receive an application, we review it, we will send them an email requesting any clarifying or uh, additional information that may be needed. But that's what gets the process started. And anytime someone wants to give me a call, we can talk about the coverage that is offered. Um, and I'm always happy to make myself available at my prospective client's convenience. Awesome. Well, Pierce, thank you again for, for coming back on. Appreciate your time. And I'm sure the people listening appreciate that info. So thank you again. Absolutely. Always glad to be here. Thanks so much, Ryan. All right. We hope you received value out of today's episode. If you have any questions or if you have a topic that you would like for us to speak about on the podcast, make sure you head to holistic-finance.com. And at the bottom of that page, there's a way for you to engage with us there. If you're active on social media, you can find our Facebook page at Holistic Finance QFP. We tend to be active there. And as always, we hope that you have a good rest of your day and make it a great day. 
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. Telephone number 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA, CIPIC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a fully owned subsidiary of Guardian. Bonafide Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow AR Insurance License Number 15319412, CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins AR Insurance License Number 7264699, CA Insurance License Number 0H24806, Pinpoint Number 2021119738, Expiration April 2023.